All right, that's what's being handed out to you in, the, in our t- title to our Bible study tonight, Jesus Christ, the Great I Am. And uh, I'm going to talk to you about some things that transpired during his earthly ministry and some things that led up to that <clears throat> as well. And uh, I'm going to start here with this number one, if you look at it very closely here with us. When God appeared to Moses, he gave his name as the I Am. I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. Chapter 3. And uh, this name had never been given before to anyone. The Lord had uh, spoken to Abraham and uh, declared himself to be El Shaddai, which... uh, had a little different meaning, but it was a title more than a name. But when he appeared to Moses, he gave Moses his name. And uh, this is a very interesting thing that, but before the Lord appeared to Moses at the burning bush, before that happened, there had been no miracles in the Bible. No miracles. You won't find any. Uh, the only miracle that we could say, and that, was, that in itself was a miracle, and that was that uh, Isaac was born of a father and mother who was well past the age of giving birth, mother and father. Now that alone, that within itself is a miracle, but that's the only miracle that you'll find in the Bible before the Lord spoke and appeared to Moses in the burning bush. And after the Lord gave him his name, he said to Moses, Moses, what's that in your hand? He said, it's a rod. He said, throw it down. He threw it down. He turned into a serpent. He said, now pick up, pick it up. Moses picked up that snake by the tail and it turned back to a, to, to a, uh, to a rod. And I'm just saying, he said, take your right hand now, put it in your bosom. He took it out and it has leprous, had leprosy all over it. Then the Lord said, put it back in your bosom. He did and he took it back out and there's leprosy was all gone. Now, that was the beginning of miracles. From that time on, God has done miracles all through that period of time and for that time on and his name has to do with the the fact that God will do what he must do to do what he says he will do praise the Lord in other words actions whatever it takes God will do it to accomplish what he says I will do praise the Lord and so I want you to look with me in Exodus here chapter uh, chapter 3 with me for just a moment I'm going to read from verse uh, 13 down through verse 16. Follow me very closely here with this. Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and they shall say unto, unto uh, and and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Verse 14, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto thee, unto you. Verse 15, and God said moreover unto Moses, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob 
hath sent me unto you, this is what Moses would be telling them, the children of Israel, hath sent me unto you, this is my name forever. God's telling Moses that. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. So the Lord established with him what was called the I Am. The I Am is stating that he is always. Never was there a time he was not, never shall there be a time he shall not be. He is all power. He's omnipotent, omnipresent. He's always present. He's everywhere, and he's all power. There's nothing he's short on anything. And this I am is a present statement, like I was, it doesn't say I was or I shall be, I am. And being I am, the Lord in his power and in his glory is that. Now, whenever that was given unto Moses, listen to me very carefully, and this is not found in our Bibles, but it's found in Jewish history. Whenever Moses went to the children of Israel and said to them, the Lord spoke to me in the burning bush and said he's going to deliver us out of Egypt. They said, what's his name? Moses realized he could not say God's name because God's name is I am. If Moses were to say I am, he is making himself to be like God. And that was the fear that was upon them. If he said he is, he is is not the same as I am. You understand what I'm saying? Now, it's a little bit more complicated than that in the Hebrew language because in the I am in the third person, it could not be pronounced. It could not be pronounced because there were no vowels involved. Uh, in the Hebrew alphabet, there are 22 letters. In the English alphabet, there's 26 letters. In the Greek alphabet, there's, I think, 24 or something there, like in between. But the Hebrew alphabet only has 22. I say only has. They have that few shorter than the English language has. So they have 22 letters in the English alphabet. If you were to go to the uh, 119th Psalm, and don't do it now because that's a study within itself. That's not just a, a one Bible study. That's a series of studies. The 119th Psalm is divided up into what's called stanzas. There's eight verses to each stanza. And in that stanza, there are 22 stanzas, and the stanzas are, uh, are named after each one of the letters in the Hebrew alphabet, starting with the first and going to the last. And it goes all the way through. It's 176 verses in the 119th Psalm. And uh, like I say, each one has eight verses and so forth. The... Uh, the thing I want to bring out to you here is that the Lord told Moses, I'm going to give you my name, and uh, my name shall be I Am. Now, I'm going to uh, show you here. I'm taking a little time here to explain this about the I Am. This is, uh, this is what they call the tetragrammation. Uh, let's see if I can push it up a little, a little more there in the light. That's called the Tetragamation. This came from Israel. Israel, incidentally, is the name of God. And uh, the Hebrew language goes from right to left. Ours go from left to right. When you go to Israel and you see things written in Hebrew and you see things written in English, you say, wow, they put the English first. No, no, no. They put the English last because they read from right to left and we read from left to right. So it looks like, you know, anyhow, so much for that. This is... Uh, J-H-V-H, 
That's the four letters of the Tetragrammaton. J-H-V-H. This is the first letter, only it's not pronounced a J. J-H-V-H, we're pronouncing that way. And and you cannot pronounce J-H-V-H. You know, how do you pronounce that? Uh, Since the Jews have no J's, it's the English language that brings that in, they use the Y. So this would be Y-H-V-H or Y-H, even W-H, because the V and the Y are transposing. V and the the W are are the same in the Hebrew language. So this is called the Tetragrammaton. That's the name of God, and that cannot be pronounced until you put vowels, the vowels in between them. Now, I'm going to put this on the board here, give you understanding here. This, I'm pointing this out. There are many things that has this on it. It's called the Tetragrammaton, or the Tetragram is another word for it. But it means four letters is all it means, four letters, Tetragram. And uh, this came from Israel, of course. Now, this is how that would spell out if we were to do it like this. That's the Hebrew version of it. Uh, I'm going to show you these. This is just handwritten stuff here. J-H-V-H is one way those four letters could be done. And if you put vowels in between, which was done in the 13th century by English scholars who wanted to give God a pronounceable name. The reason for that is that the Jews felt like God's name was not supposed to be pronounced. Therefore, they substituted in the Hebrew language the word L-O-R-D, all capital letters. That means the name of God. It would be God's name, that is J-H-V-H or the Tetragrammaton. And it would be uh, those letters in there, and it would, yes, it would be the name of God. Now, the J-H-V-H was the Hebrew version of it. They put J-E-O-A in between there. They got Jehovah. So the word Jehovah never came into existence, never used, never heard of until about the 13th century. I tell Jehovah Witnesses that sometimes. They tell me, oh, Jehovah is Jehovah's God, Jehovah's God. I said, Jehovah, the name Jehovah never even existed until the 13th century. Some of them know that, and then they want to, they try to argue about it. And others are, what? They're dumbfounded. How do you know? And where do you get all that? All that kind of stuff. Every Bible scholar, they, Bible scholars know this stuff. They really study the Bible. So J-H-V-H-W-H. Now, the, G- the Jewish people do not have J, so they have the Y. The Y, and they use Y-H-W-H. And then they also use Y-H or Y-H-V-H. Uh, but if you take Y-H-W-H and you put an A between the Y and the H and the W and the H, you get what? Yahweh. How many of you have heard that Yahweh is the name of God? Okay, that's another version of it. Yahweh and Jehovah is the same thing. It's the tetragrammaton that's been vowed, been put in, and it's been put in. This was more from the English side. This was more from the Hebrew side itself that put it in to give God a pronounce. People who want to say, well, let's go ahead and give God a, a name that we can pronounce. So they call it Yahweh. Uh, Yahweh, the V is also a, a, a letter that's used there. Yahweh sometime is over in uh, Eastern Europe. Some places they use that. I won't get into more into that, only to say that this is where it has evolved to, to for us today. And you and I, praise the Lord, can understand and know that God, hallelujah, himself, is the great I am. That's what we know. He's the I am. And so I'm just going to refer to him as the I am. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, 
I want you to look at A here. Later, God spoke to Moses and declared himself to be one I am. Or God, or I am is one, one God. So I want you to look with me, if you would, in Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And that's so pronounced that Hebrews believe in this emphatically. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Praise the Lord. This is what I am. I am one Lord. And then he goes on to say in verse 7 on down, I won't get into that. He said, but thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children. And you should talk about them on the way. And you should put, a, uh, put something on the doorpost of your house. Say, this is the name of God and so forth. Very emphatic. The God here is of the Lord our God is one. He's one Lord. He's not many. Now, I'm going to give you another verse of scripture here. Uh, if you'll look back and you're in uh, Deuteronomy 6. If you look in Deuteronomy 4.35. Just go back a, ch- a couple of chapters there. 4.35. It says unto thee, verse 35, it was unto thee, it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord is God. There is none else beside him. None else beside him. One God, nobody else beside him. Look down in verse 39, the same chapter. Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. Now, everybody see that? I'm just I'm emphasizing here that the Bible declares emphatically that this I am God is one. Just one God. One God. This is very important that I'm talking to you about. Uh, this is not in your scriptures here, but I just want to refer to it here. You can write down a few of them if you want to. But if we were to go over, for instance, to Isaiah 44, 6, this is Isaiah talking later. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last and beside me there is no God. Everybody see that? And uh, I'm just trying to show you here how emphatically there these verses are. Look at verse 8. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from the time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. There is no God beside him. He knows not any other God. That's all that there is. Look at verse 24 in that same chapter. This is 44, Isaiah 44. This is not in your notes, so uh, you can write these in there if you'd like to do that. It should be on the screen overhead someplace there. All right, look at 24. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee, he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things and stretcheth forth the heavens alone. Look at that word alone. That's, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. And uh, 
Look at 45.5. I'm just jumping to the next chapter. I mean, they're all in, all in Isaiah here. Look at 45.5. I'm giving you some good stuff here, folks. This is good stuff. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. Look at verse 6. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. So God is one and he emphasizes that to Israel. I could go on giving you all kinds of scriptures. Uh, in verse 45 it goes, I could give you uh, one, two, three, four, uh, five, five more scriptures says the same thing and just be repetition. So I won't go into details on that. Only to say that I want you to understand here that when God said that I am, that's my name, that God would refer to himself as being one God. Now, this is interesting. Look at number two. When Jesus was born, he was the I am who came as our savior. He was the I am. I'm going to show you that now. Now look in, uh, in Matthew 1, if you would. Matthew 1, 20. This is concerning his birth, and this is whenever the angel had appeared to Joseph. Because Mary became pregnant by the angel, appeared to her and said, that's, That has been conceived in you is of the Holy Ghost. God overshadowed you, and you shall... Have a child, and his name should be called Jesus. And Joseph, Mary said to him, I'm pregnant. How can you be pregnant? You know, uh, God overshadowed me. What's all this about? And he was wondering, what, what's this all about? He knew she was a good woman. So look what it says here in verse 20. But while he thought on these things, this is Joseph now. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. Saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is thy wife, meaning that she was not, they were not betrothed yet. It was not the, they, their marriage had not been consummated. Back in those days, you could be engaged. And when you were uh, officially engaged, then they became like husband and wife. But they had not consummated the marriage. You understand what I'm saying? They had not been consummated. So this marriage had not been consummated, but that's why he's called him his wife. Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now notice this. This is Jesus coming into the world as a Savior, God Almighty as a Savior. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, I'm going to digress just a little bit here. This, again, is not in your notes. But over in the book of Isaiah, again, if I were to go back to uh, a couple of verses here in Isaiah. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see where. Okay, Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43.3. Isaiah 43, 3. I'm going to read two verses here to you. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Okay, notice that. This is God, the I Am, the one God of, of Israel saying, I'm your Savior. I'm jumping over here to verse chapter 43 and verse 11. I'm still in Isaiah. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no God. 
No savior, I mean. Beside me there is no savior. And he goes on to talk about other places about him being savior. I'm tying that in with Matthew that whenever Jesus was going to be born, it says that he shall save his people from their sins. So Jesus came as a savior to Israel. Praise the Lord. So these are truths in the Bible that I think we can hold on to and that we can believe. Now I'm going to get more into what I'm going to talk to you about. In his earthly ministry, Jesus identified himself to be the I am. Now remember that the I am is the one God of all the universe. The one God of Israel. The one God of all the, the world. And he identified himself to be the I am, the one and only God. Look in John eight fifty six. John eight fifty six here. Praise God. Everybody still with me? Good. Now look at this closely. John eight fifty six. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. This is the this is Jesus now talking to Pharisees and Sadducees, which I don't know exactly which group it is at this point, but one of those groups. Uh, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and thou hast seen Abraham? Look at this next verse. Talk about a power punch. Verse 58, Jesus said, said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Look at that. Jesus didn't say before Abraham was, I was, because God is not just was, he is, and he is the future too. I will be. He's all present. And so when he said here, before Abraham was, I am, they knew what that meant. He was saying, I am. He was saying, before Abraham was, I'm God. You don't believe that they understood that to be that way? Look at verse 59. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. I don't know whether he became invisible, but he went right through the midst of them. And they, they, they were, I don't know, something happened there, but Jesus just moved right on out of there. And they picked up stones, but they were angry at him because he had made himself to be God. Now, I'm going to give you a few other scriptures there. This is also found in the scripture. This is John, uh, John 8. 15. Look in John chapter 10. Look at John chapter 10. And we're looking at verse 1030, I think it is. 1030, okay. I and my father are one. Everybody see that? I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. They knew what that meant. I and my father are one. Verse 32, Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my father, for which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Do you understand, folks, that Jesus declared himself to be the mighty God of heaven and earth when he was on this earth? He did. Now, here's the truth about it. 
So thou being a man, makest thyself God. He was not a man who had made himself God. He was God who had made himself man. Okay, God made himself man because that was his manifestation. There are not three separate distinct persons in the Godhead. There are manifestations of God. God can be anything he wants to be. He was he would appear as an angel sometimes. In Jesus Christ, he appeared as a man. He came as a man to this world to save. Because he came to save and, and give the supreme sacrifice and the supreme offering, which was the shedding of his blood and the giving of his life, like, a, like an animal had to be done in the Old Testament for the sins of the people. Jesus was coming to make do it once and for all, for all mankind, to shed his blood, give his life. But God can't die. God can't die. And God is not a man that can shed his blood. He's, God is a spirit. But Jesus Christ was God manifest in flesh. The flesh he came brought from Mary and from David of old and so forth. I won't get into all the details. But Jesus Christ, praise the Lord, on this earth was God manifest in flesh. And he was declaring himself to be the mighty God. And these people were getting really bent out of shape over it. And they said, because thou being a man makest thyself God, but he was God who had been, who had been making himself man. Praise the Lord. Look in John twelve forty five. You're in the 10th chapter. <clears throat> Look at John 12. I'm trying to get there in myself. I'm sorry. I didn't finish reading that. I wanted to read the rest of this. Chapter 10, 30 and 33. Look at 37 and 38 before you do it. Go to the 12. Look at uh, 37 and 38. This is Jesus speaking. This is uh, 1037. John. Thank you, guys. They, they stay up with me. I don't know. They were good at it. If I do not the works of my father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. Now, Brother Myers was God in Christ. Yes, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. The Bible says that. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. How was Jesus in God? Well, let me just say it like this. This is the best way I to know it. He said, just as I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, so I shall be in you and you in me. If we had one bulb in this, this if we had a big light bulb in this room. No other, no other lights, just one bulb. All right, there's one bulb. You can touch it, you can feel it. The bulb is in this room, and the light is shining forth from it. The light is in the bulb, but the light is also in this whole room. And so the bulb is in the light. You understand what I'm saying? God as a spirit is everywhere. There's no place he is not. So just as the spirit was in Christ, yet Christ was in God. Praise the Lord. So I'm just trying to give you an understanding here how that Jesus is saying that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, let me move on a little further here. 39th verse, I didn't read that one. Therefore they sought again to take him, 
but he escaped out of their hands. Notice here, every time he declared himself to be God, they tried to capture him, take him, stone him, do something, because they said, oh, my goodness, he's making himself God. And he was. He was. That's exactly what he was doing. So he was the almighty God. Praise God. Now, let me have you go to John twelve forty five. I was having you headed that way a while ago. John twelve forty five. Praise God. It says, uh, twelve forty five. He that seeth me seeth him that sent me. Look at that. He that seeth me seeth him that sent me. I'm going to give you something a little stronger than that in a few moments. But if you see me, you see the one who has sent me. That means you see the Father. Isn't that what it says? You see me, you see me that sent me. Wow, that was, that was, a, that was a, a, a shocker there. They were saying, my goodness, what in the world? And uh, go to chapter 14. This is, a, this is a biggie now. Hang on with me. Everybody got your bonnets on? Get your feet in. Hold on to your bonnet. Look at verse 6, 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, ye should have known my Father also. He's speaking to his disciples here, incidentally. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Wow. He's talking about the Father here. Look at verse 9, 8. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father and it sufficeth us, or it'll satisfy us. Show us the Father. Because he's been talking about the Father. Look at verse 9. Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you and ye, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. You get the picture here? And how sayest thou, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Boy, I'm just trying to show you, and if you don't remember anything else that I've taught here tonight, this 14th chapter from verse, chapter, verses 6 down through verse 11 is powerful verses where Jesus declares himself to be the mighty God to his disciples. And if you've seen me, you've seen God. You've seen the Father. Praise the Lord. And so, because God is a spirit, God is light, and uh, how to, God has to, make himself available to be seen and so he did in, when he came to this world as jesus christ praise the lord now uh, i'm going to go a little further here praise the lord praise god all right I don't want to miss anything here. Go to, go to chapter 18. Chapter 18, verse 3. John. 
Now, look at this one closely. Everybody with me? I don't want you to lose on this one. Stay with me. If you don't remember anything else, remember this one. This is one that a lot of people don't don't see. No one. It, it goes over the heads of most all of us. Look at 18.3. This is when Jesus was being, uh, he was being betrayed by Judas Iscariot in the garden, in Gethsemane. And he brought this bunch of men out there with swords and staves and torches and all to get Jesus. Now, this is whenever, verse 3, Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, <clears throat> cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? Everybody see that? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. He saith unto them, I am he. You see that? And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. Look at verse 6. And as, as soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backwards and fell to the ground. Now, if your Bible shows italic words for the words that the translators added to the scriptures, you will notice, if your Bible shows that, you'll notice here that the word he, they don't, it doesn't have it up here, but the word he is, is, is italics, if your Bible shows that. Here's what Jesus actually said. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus saith unto them, I am. That's what he actually said to them. Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am. And Judas is called for the tree them stood with them. Verse 6. As soon as he had said unto them, I am, they went backwards and fell to the ground. Look at verse 7. Then asked he them again, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am, and the word he is in italics, put there by the translators, not by in the original scriptures. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. Now, while we're looking at that, this is interesting. Go over here to Psalms. This is in your notes there. Go over to Psalms chapter 40 and verse 14. You know what I like about this audience? You're smart people. I mean, you, you, you are. You, you grasp things. God bless you. I appreciate that of you, too. You, 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 you really you pick up on these things. Look at 40 and 14. This is a prophecy concerning Jesus. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward. And put to shame that wish me evil. And then it goes on to say in verse 15, let them be desolate for reward for their shame. They say unto me, aha, aha. That's what they said when Jesus was on the cross, aha, aha. And they, they were made desolate. That is, Jerusalem was destroyed after the crucifixion, the resurrection and everything. Jerusalem was destroyed and the Jews and everything, many of them killed by the Roman soldiers. I won't go into all that detail. But I'm just trying to say this is a prophecy here of Jesus as well 
of saying, praise the Lord, whom seek ye? And they said, I am. So I just want to show you that. And very few people pick up on it when he said, I, they always say, I am he. But he said, I am. And when he said, I am, they all fell backwards because the power of God was manifested because he used the name of God right there and said, that's who I am. And it's not the first time he said, I am. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Lord. Now, I've got a little uh, diversion here. I mean, I want to show you something. This is note. Go to John, go back to John 14, 6. John 14, 6. Praise God. We've already read this verse, but I want to show you something about it. Don't ever forget what I'm going to show you here. 14.6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now this is, I'm emphasizing a different thing on this verse right now. No man cometh unto the Father. The Father is God, right? No man comes to God but by me. If you have your Bibles, underline that verse very heavily. But by me. You cannot get to God except through Jesus Christ. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, uh, I'm going to have you also... If you would, to uh, go to Matthew eleven twenty seven. And I've got it written out here in your notes there. No man, no man can come to God but by Jesus Christ. Look in Matthew, Matthew eleven twenty seven. Matthew eleven twenty seven. This is a confirmation to that verse. You know, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So that's why we use more than one verse. Verse 27 of Matthew here in verse chapter 11. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father. That's talking about God Almighty. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son shall reveal him. Now this is really important, folks, that if you're going to be saved, you've got to come through Jesus Christ. Why are you saying all that, Brother Myers? Because some people think that all it takes is just be in some religion and believe in God in some fashion or another and you can get to heaven. And that's not the way it is. They, I, I've heard it explained this way like it's a big spoked wheel. And heaven is the hub. And we're all out here on the outer realm of the wheel. And there's all of these spokes. So you pick out which spoke you want to go to heaven on and you just, and you just live, you know, you, you live that religion out and it'll get you there. No, I won't either. That's not, that's not, that's just a man-made illustration. Those spokes don't all lead to that hub in the reality of things. Jesus said, you got to go through him. And that's why folks, praise the Lord, when you pray, you pray to Jesus Christ. When we're baptized, we're baptized in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. That way, we're in Jesus Christ. He is in us in the Holy Ghost. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he's in us. When we're baptized in Jesus' name, we're in him. We are in Christ. Praise the Lord. The Bible even talks about the rapture of the church. Those that are in Christ shall be raptured away. I'm just trying to point out to you here how important it is that to be saved, we've got to come through Jesus Christ. Somebody might say, oh, I believe in Buddhism. 
or I believe in Mohammedism, or I believe in Confucianism, or I believe in Jainism. And they got on and on and on. I've, and I've studied all these religions over the years and everything. And they all got their little whims and little things that they try to present. But the Bible says you've got to go through Jesus Christ. You can't go through, uh, you know, through Buddha. You can't go through Buddha. You can't go through, the, you know, one of these other, some, whoever they might be, some great guru someplace, someplace, Confucius or somebody. You can't go through them. They don't have all the answers. It's got to be through Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Everybody say praise God. So uh, I just thought maybe I'd just throw it out with you. I'm going to refer to a couple other verses here too to, 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 to substantiate what I just said. Look at John 3.16. This is very common with all of us. John 3.16. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Some of you can quote this by heart. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, in him, not some other somebody, not some other thing or person, but believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we have to believe in Jesus Christ. It's not believing in uh, some other guru or somebody. Then I'm looking over here in Romans. Romans chapter 8, verses 9 and verse 11. That's these next two verses here. Verse 9, verse 11. Ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now look at this very closely. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. We have to have the Spirit of Christ. We've got the Spirit of God. That's the Holy Spirit. We've got to have the Spirit of God inside of us. That's why we, That's why Peter said on the day of Pentecost, they said, Many brother, what shall we do? He said, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they did receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That went forth in that uh, second chapter in first four verses in chapter 2 the Holy Ghost is poured out and all through the Bible you find it receiving the Holy Ghost uh, Acts chapter 10 verse 48 Acts 19.5 Acts uh, uh, 10 I mentioned that 10 19.5 all these verses here tells us we've got to be baptized in Jesus name and we've got to be also baptized with his spirit now look at the 11th verse I'm still in Romans here chapter 8 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Now we're talking about the Holy Ghost now. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells dwelleth in you. That's talking about the rapture. So if you want to go in the rapture, you need the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. God bless these people that seek for it or ask God to give it to them. All you got to do is just say, God, I want your spirit more than anything in the world. You've got to really mean it, too. You've got to really mean it. God, I'm going to give up the world, give up sin. I want your spirit. You're baptized and wash away all of our sins. I want your spirit to help me to live a holy life, to walk with God in spirit and in truth, that I might be what I should be in the Lord. Now, I'm going to move into this next area here, and uh, we're going to, I've only got about uh, 10, 10, 
12 minutes here. Uh, number four here, we're going to wind this up. Jesus as the I am in all things. And here are some examples. And uh, I'm just going to go through this very quickly here. I am the bread of life. Look in John 8, 12. John 8, 12. And... Uh, All right. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Look at that. Wait a minute. I'm, I need to be in John 6. Don't I? I'm sorry. I need to be in John 6. I need to be in John 6, 5, 30. 6, 35. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll come back to the other one in a minute. 6, 35. And Jesus saith unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. Look at that. Never hunger. I'm the bread of life. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. We talked last week about the Lord going through uh, Samaria and that woman that was there. And how the Lord said, if you drink of the water that I have to give you, you shall never thirst again. Remember that? So you never thirst, never hunger. So he said, I'm the bread of life. And he is also the water that springs up from the inside of us. So speaking of the spirit of God. And so that's all brought out here in this uh, scripture here. And I am the bread of life. Uh, in uh, verse 48, look at 48. I am the bread of life. He says that again. Look at verse 51. I am the living bread. Three places in this chapter he states, I am the bread of life. I am the living bread. Uh, verse 51, I am the living bread which cometh down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. The bread that I shall give him is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Talking about the sacrifice that he will make. He'll give him his life. His, and that's why when in communion, he says, take and eat this bread, drink this wine. This bread is my body that's broken for you. This blood, this wine is my blood that's shed for you. We all understand that, of course. All right. I am the light of the world. Now go to John 8. Now go to John 8. 8, 12. Notice here he's saying, I am, I am, I am. He's still the I am. You got that picture? Jesus said, I am. Verse 12, 8, 12. Then spake Jesus again to them, saying, I am the bread of life. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So he's the light. Amen. The light of the world. Look at C here. I am the door. And he's speaking here the door to the sheep sheepfold. Look at John, uh, John uh, ten. All right, John ten and seven. I'll get there in a minute. Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of sheep. Look at verse 9. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pastors. Notice here the Lord is making himself the I am, the I am, the I am. He says, I am the good shepherd. That's the next one. That's D. And this is in John ten fourteen. John 10, 14. We're in that 10th chapter still. So look in the verse 14. 
I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. I am the good shepherd. One place he says I'm the good shepherd. Another place he says I'm the great shepherd. The good shepherd, the great shepherd. He is the, the one and only shepherd of our souls. Praise the Lord. E, I'm going to that one. I am the resurrection and the life. John 11. Eleven twenty-five. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. See that? Praise the Lord. I'm the resurrection and the life. Look at Beth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. Jesus is everything, folks. He's everything. I'll get there in a minute. Hang on. All right, that's back to that verse. We've already read it twice. We'll read it once more and pick out another little part of it. Last time we said that we have to come to the Father but by me. Look at verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life. That's the third time we've read that verse. And then finally, if you look at uh, G here, and uh, this is John 15, 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Now, this is not in your notes here. I'm, I'm really right down here at the bottom now. This is not in your notes, but you can write them in. Look at verses 4 and 5. Verses 4 and 5, along with that 15.1. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husband. Look at verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branches cannot bear fruit of itself. Except you abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth, this is verse 6. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth fruit, much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Folks, the greatest thing that's ever happened to any one of us is that Jesus saved us. If you're not saved, don't stop short of saying, Lord, I want everything you've got for me. Because it's the greatest thing in all the world. I was 16 years old when God saved me. And I was already at that stage in my last year in high school where I was beginning to look at the world and, you know, and I visited a couple of sort of nightclubs and dance halls. I went to some square dances with an uncle of mine. Yeah, and he was a few years older than me, and I was just starting to hang out like that. And then I went to a Pentecostal church one night on a Sunday night, and I'm telling you, God got a hold of my heart. I'm so glad that the Lord got a hold of my heart, called me to that altar of, of, of repentance. I prayed through, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost that night, then they took me out in a bio and and baptized me in the bio of salt water. They salted me down when I got baptized. Fresh water, salt water. Somebody said, I want running water. Well, if you do, we'll put you in the baptistry, pull the plug, and turn the water on. You'll have running water. You know, it doesn't matter. But just get baptized in Jesus' name. Salt water, fresh water, running water, still water, it doesn't matter. But I want you to know this is the greatest thing in all the world, and I'm so glad the Lord ever saved me. The greatest thing ever happened, and that's been, I don't know, I don't know, some 69 years ago that God saved me and brought me out. And I wouldn't take anything in the world for it. 
Oh, there's been a few rough places along the way, but you know, God always brought us through. Like one guy said, I never missed a meal. Postponed a few, but never missed any. <laughs> so, so I may have postponed a few, but I never missed any. But God is good, isn't he? I wonder if we could just stand together and lift our hands and praise the Lord and worship him. And just thank him tonight here that Jesus Christ, the great God of heaven. I mean, think about it. The great God who made all things was so concerned about me and you as an individual, just a person that we are, that he reached down and dealt with us and gave us that conviction that made us feel like I need to be saved. I need to come to the Lord. Let's all lift our hands and let's just praise him for a few moments and thank him. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much tonight, Lord. You're such a good God. You're such a wonderful Savior. You're such a friend. And when you came, when you came to this world, Lord, in the form of a man, you came as our Savior, Lord. You came to save us from our sins. Oh, Lord, you paid the supreme sacrifice on Calvary for us, God. You shed the blood. Your body was broken for us. Lord, you went through the agony. You went through the pain. Everything, Lord, you suffered. Lord, you did it all for us that we might be saved. And, Lord, we know that one day you're coming back for your people, Lord. That's without spot or wrinkle. Help us, God, to walk with you, to be faithful unto you, Jesus. Help us to believe in you in all things, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the faith that you put in our hearts to believe you, Lord, for all of these things. We thank you for the mercies of God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the good times and the bad times. We thank you, Lord, for all the wonderful people of God that we're surrounded with, not only in this church, but in this state and in this nation and all over the world. We know you're coming back soon for your people. We know you're still doing a work in these last days and will do right on up until you come. We believe in you. We trust in you. We love you, Jesus. We praise you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in his name.